0: The NFL's opening week was action-packed. And fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.ORG in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-5337. To thirty five hundred in Virginia. Welcome. ...to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. Things are going to work a little bit differently on this show moving forward. Now, of course, it was such a privilege for our team in association with our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook... ...to be able to offer picks for each and every day of the 2022 U.S. Open. For what it's worth, we end the tournament 16 and 18 down 0.16 units overall. Essentially even for the two weeks in New York but I won't lie it was a bit of a dagger to the chest to see Carlos Alcaraz win the 2022 US Open which was of course my pick but he fails to cover the three and a half game spread as such knocks us just under even for the event that said was quite the rally over the last six days dare I say we have a little bit of momentum as we turn the page on 2022 Grand Slam tennis over our last six days in New York we We went 10 and three, up 6.2 eight, five units overall over the course of six days. As such, I'm feeling good about the reasoning we've used here on this segment and moving forward on this show in association once again with our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We plan to continue to offer all of you tennis fans picks for at least six days a week here on this show. That's right. Here at Crack Rackets might be news to some of you listeners or perhaps not. We're going to do more podcasting here here moving forward, really engage with the home stretch of this 2022 season. Yes, Grand Slam tennis is done for the year, but there are plenty of pertinent storylines, plenty of players still to monitor and to enjoy down the season's home stretch. That's exactly what I plan on doing here on this show. Now, because there are so many events that happen across the globe, In any given week of the tennis calendar, not only do we have tour level action and this week we've got two 250 WTA events alongside of a 125K tournament. You've also got, I believe, four ATP challengers happening this weekend along with the plethora of ITF events happening across the globe at any given moment. It's not that it would be impossible, but I would need a 24-hour radio station to try and cover all of the action happening everywhere. And by the way – we have a Patreon here at Crack Rackets. If that 24-hour radio station is something you would be interested, I promise the one man who could make that happen is Crack Rackets CEO Dalton Thieneman. The one producer who could make that happen is Crack Rackets super producer Daniel Westuff. So I'm not saying we couldn't do the 24-hour radio network because here at Cracked Rackets, we, like Kevin Garnett, believe anything is possible, but that would require additional resources to say the least. And so I'm not going to go through every tournament happening everywhere, preview every match on any given day on this segment. That said, I am going to offer aces each and every day and I am going to discuss the matches that are on my board. The things I think you need to see or at least monitor as a tennis fan to have the fullest grasp on what happens on any given day in the tennis world. So with that said, The Ace of the Day segment rolls on here at Crack Rackets. On this show today, I've got picks for September 13th's action. That's Tuesday. Now, worth mentioning, a little look behind the curtains here at Crack Rackets. I did a radio hit this morning. Yeah, humble brag. Shout out to me. They asked me to do radio hits now. No big deal. But I did a radio hit this morning with a morning show in New Zealand, which was freaking awesome. Shout out to my guy, Iggy, for the invite. He introduces the radio show, though, and I was the 7 a.m. guest. Is there anything you like better at 7 a.m. than coffee'd up, even though I don't drink coffee, but seemingly caffeinated Alex and I would argue I'm a great 7 a.m. radio partner. I was a, a member of a carpool for much of my childhood from ages – what? Did we start in kindergarten, first grade, second grade? I know I was in the lower school, and my buddy Dustin, who we carpooled with, now my closest friend um, – was a year older than me at the time. I skipped fifth grade, second humble brag of the podcast. Point being, I'm pretty sure we started in second grade because then we were in the same building afterwards. And we might have started with his brothers earlier. The point is, um, I like to think I'm a good morning radio, uh, morning person because again, my closest friend, Dustin Benuni, our friendship started out as carpool carmates and now we have this blossoming 20 plus year friendship but the point is i know it's already tuesday in some places where you're listening to this we are releasing it here on monday evening time on the east coast to try and give all of you listeners at least six hours to digest this information and make your plays however you see fit Obviously, in the tennis world, action moves quickly. Tuesday's action only matters till Wednesday. Wednesday till Thursday, et cetera, et cetera. We'll try to get these podcasts to all of you listeners as far in advance as possible so that you do have a plethora – that's one of my go-to words – of time to make your picks, to assess the information we offer you and act accordingly. That said, again – I know this one's on the later side, a little bit of a U.S. Open hangover. I apologize for that fact, but we'll try to get these podcasts to you in a timely fashion. I know the shelf life is short, thus, again, we want it to be as extended as possible, but with that said, again – If you have a U.S. Open hangover, rest assured, the tennis world has the cure for you. You've got three high-level WTA events, the 125K again, plus the two tour-level events happening in Podoros. And Bucharest is the 125. Chennai is the other uh, WTA tour-level event. No ATP action. I think you've got Davis Cup. I don't think. I know. You've got Davis Cup. Sometimes I try to say, I think, so that I don't present myself as, why would you know that fact of what events are this week on the calendar? Although I suppose I should know that given the show I do. And so that wouldn't be one of these things where you don't want to show you have all the information you want to Let off that, you know, uh, you know, you know a little bit more than you're letting on. Um, But I do know that Davis Cup is coming up later this week. As such, no ATP events on the calendar. That said, for challengers, plenty of ITF action. Wanted to look across the board at the matches that are most intriguing to me on Tuesday. The matches I feel confident getting in on the action with, as such, Here are my picks. I've got two aces for you on Tuesday as well as a wealth of matches I'll be keeping an eye on that I want to talk about that are on my board with that set. Let's get into it. Here are uh, Tuesday, excuse me, September 13th's aces of the day. Let's start with a name I know will be familiar to all of you tennis fans now. And to any Crack Rackets tennis fans or listeners we picked up who may not follow the tour with the day-to-day rigor that – I know so many of you Cracked Rackets fans do. I'm so grateful that you do, that we found a community who are watching all these events. Even the week after Slam, you're like, nope, I need more tennis in my life. That's why we love you here at CR. That's why we're willing to record these shows six out of seven days a week. Do that over on our mini break podcast as well. And Again, try to get listeners all the information that you need. I think we're all aware of Ila Tomjanovic though right now. Certainly after she became the player to end Serena Williams' run at the U.S. Open. If you weren't aware of Tom you certainly were at that point. For what it's worth, Tom has made the quarterfinals now at three of the last six majors played. She did it back-to-back Wimbledon's 2021-2022. Obviously did it this year at the U.S. Open and perhaps most impressively was 5-2 down in the fourth round this year in New York, after beating Serena, having that physical, mental, emotional high and, you know, having to come off that and play a next round match against a player who was arguably the hottest player in women's tennis at the time in Ludmila Samsonova. Samsonova goes up 5-2 and Tamyanovic manages to work her way back. Tamyanovic manages to win the match and ultimately now for Isla Tamyanovic. She's sitting uh, pretty at, at a new career high. In the rankings, Tom Yanovich, currently number 34 in this week's edition of the WTA Top 100. That's a career high for the now 29-year-old and... Guess what folks, 29 years old, that is smack dab in the prime of a professional tennis career. And if you're reaching new highs in your rankings, it probably means you're playing the best tennis of your life. I think those of us who watched Tom Yanovich at the 2022 US Open would agree with that assessment. The fact that she also made the quarterfinals in Cincinnati coming through qualifying, being beating, you know, top 10 player in Paula Bedosa even if she hasn't necessarily been top 10 this year or a player who in my opinion has been top 10 this year even if she's not top necessarily top 10 in the rankings in the big serving Veronica kudermetova you know toionnovvi has played her best tennis don't believe me well here are the stats you look for Tommnovich now overall here in this 2022 season toionnovvi's record now 32 and 21. It's a 60% win percentage. You know how many times she's eclipsed 60% win percentage in her career in tour-level play thus far? Zero seasons exactly zero seasons. She's been over 60% prior to this year. You also look at her from the metrics perspective. She's breaking to serve 37.9% of the time. Now, that's the second highest number of her career. In 2016, she broke 38.9% of the time, but she only played two tour-level matches in 2016. So we're going to throw that out and say this is the best she's ever returned in her career. And For those of you who don't know, because again, I know some of you listeners have heard this stat before, you're well aware of break percentage, the context break percentage being how frequently you're breaking your opponent's serve, but the average top 50 player in the women's game breaks serve 36.2% of the time. Tom this season is breaking 37.9% of the time. That ranks 19th amongst top 50 players and is indicative of the above average, dare I say, good returning we see from Tamjanovic when we watch her play. Her ability to put just about every return back on the court and it doesn't matter if it's the forehand wing the backhand wing she's efficient off both sides she's particularly comfortable turning into that backhand, taking that return early on the rise being aggressive behind it and sort of being relentless in how she spreads the court and by that of course I mean and we saw this in her Serena Williams match her ability to force her opponent to continue to move side to side and you know have to not never get to set their feet and be a for from a comfortable, aggressive positioning when they're striking the ball. Yes, Tamjanovic is a defensive-based player, but her combination of movement, her lack of weaknesses, she's not a great volleyer, but... I think she knows what to do when she's up at the net. It's a well-rounded skill set. And for Tomjanovic, that's helped lead her to, again, a career high here this season. You look at that 32 and 21 mark for Tomjanovic. She's made six different quarterfinals this season. Now, she hasn't advanced past the quarterfinals once this year, but six total quarterfinals in 20—now, this is her 22nd total event this week, but 21 total events— it's how you get become a top fifty player. And she's done two on hard courts, two on grass, two on clay courts. She's done it across the board. Ila Tomyanovich, two quarterfinals this year at the major events again. She has had a standout season. She's your number eight seed this week in portarose as she's going to take on thir- uh excuse me 29 year old ana bogdan you look for bogdan she has certainly come on of late here in this 2022 season in particular it's happened on the clay courts for bogdan Perhaps you may not remember as Caroline Garcia sort of stole the story in Warsaw when she beat Iga Swiatek on the clay there and goes on to win the title in Warsaw. But who did Garcia beat in the final? She beat Anna Bogdan and Bogdan. The next week goes to 125k, wins the title there. Now she lost qualifying at the U.S. Open, but that's because the qualifying numbers came out prior, you know, to her big ranking jump and You look for Ana Bogdan. She's currently sitting at 65 in the rankings. She's going to get into Australia. She's going to get into, you know, the French Open next year where she really should thrive. And you look for her this season, 28 and 13 overall. Now, a lot of that success has come at the ITF level. And you look for Bogdan, perhaps the metric that's more important to us here on this show. Bogdan's 12 and 9 this year in tour-level matches. A lot of those matches coming at the qualifying level. Again, her run in Warsaw, the only time she's made a quarterfinal at the tour level this season. But look, if you watch Bogdan play, another player with a well-rounded skill set moves pretty well. Big action on the Bogdan backhand, and it's a bigger backswing. She really accentuates the loop as she's getting under the ball before making contact with it. But Boy, is that backhand powerful. And her ability to absorb pace, redirect pace, put action on that ball, short angle down the line, it opens up then the drop shots, which she loves to play on that backhand wing, likes to mix it in on the forehand as well, have you paralyzed on the baseline. The forehand for Bogdan sits a little short, particularly on a hard court, where it doesn't have the effect, the bounce of a clay court. And if you can press that Bogdan forehand not necessarily even with pace obviously pace helps but with relentless depth she will leave you a short ball opportunities to attack inside the baseline opportunities to be the aggressor you look for bogdan while well, you know Ila Tomjanovic struggles from a hold percentage perspective you look for Tomjanovic; she's held 63.9 percent of the time which the average of a top 50 wta player is 70 percent so 70 percent below the average she's obviously Or excuse me, 6% below the average. She's obviously a bottom 10 returner, uh, server, excuse me, amongst top 50 players. But the serve has gotten better. 66.9% last season with her run at this U.S. Open. She's now hovering at about 66% this year. It's not great. But again, on a hard court, I do think there's enough pace on that Tamianovich first serve, particularly an in indoor hard court as they're playing in Port Rose that it's going to give the the length of the Bogdan back swings trouble. And you look for Anna Bogdan in her career, she's seven and eighteen against top fifty players on hardcourt. She's also lost now 11 of her last 12 against top 50 players on hard courts. Hasn't gotten a win since Dubai in February of 2020. Hasn't gotten an indoor hardcourt top 50. win. has she ever gotten one in her career? I don't think that she has. I don't see an indoor top 50 hardcourt victory for Bogdan in her career. Of course, you look in the tour level overall, Bogdan 79 and 73 in her career Uh, in tour level hardcourt matches for what it's worth though, twenty two and forty two. Perhaps this is the even more terrifying record. Twenty two and forty two against top one hundred opponents forget seven and eighteen against top fifty. On the flip side, you know, this is the matchup Tomiajovic eats up. You look for Tomyanovich here this season. I mentioned her 32 and 21 record, 60 percent win percentage overall. She's 20 and nine against opponents ranked outside the top 50 this season. And you know, you throw out a Samsonova loss, who's now inside the top 50. You throw out a Putensiva loss, who's now inside the top 50. You know, twenty and seven then overall against opponents ranked fifty one plus. And if you don't have a weapon that you can relentlessly and consistently hurt Tom Yanovich with, I just don't think you can beat her. Because Tamjanovic is playing that well right now. She is moving that well right now. She doesn't have an overwhelming weapon, but she can beat you with her discipline, with her efficiency, with her relentless depth. And I think indoor hard courts, relentless depth is what you need to knock off Anna Bogdan comfortably. I would turn back to a match last season where Anna Bogdan was knocked off at the end of the year by, uh, Emirata Kanu, excuse me, in, uh... In Romania, Raducanu with three and four victory in that match. I think there are some parallels between Raducanu and Tamjanovic. Now, Raducanu's backhand gets through the court a little bit easier, but Tamjanovic has a little bit more sting on her forehand wing. And I think they're both uh, – Radakanu's a better returner, but Tamjanovic is not a dissimilar returner. Um I just, I don't see how Bogdan, other than connecting with backhands from time to time, makes life uncomfortable for Ila Tamjanovic. So I think Tamjanovic wins this match, gets her campaign started in Potaro's, and, you know, is definitely a player to watch, given how well she's played at the majors over these past two slams. I think Tamjanovic gets things started and capitalizes on her New York momentum. You look for Tamjanovic tomorrow, you can get her minus four and a half games over Bogdan. Minus one ten odds. She's gotta win four and three or better, or you know, a close first set than a lopsided second. I just think that's what Tomjanovic is going to do. Sure, Bogdan will connect with some backhands. That backhand is probably the singular uh single biggest weapon in the match, but it's not the overwhelmingly biggest, and I do think Tamjanovic, much like that Radakanu match, has the sort of backhand with a condensed backswing, her ability to absorb and redirect pace. It's well-suited to deal with Bogdan. She moves so well. It deals well with the Bogdan drop shot. Give me Tamjanovic, minus four and a half games, minus 110 odds, 1.1 units to win one in return. That's ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two, a little bit off the beaten path. Not necessarily for us here at Cracked Rackets, but I want to go to a former University of Florida All-American friend of our Cracked Rackets programming and talk about Oliver Crawford, who I think has quietly, you know, breakout star. No, you can't say that of the 2022 season about Oliver Crawford, but he has quietly been excellent throughout the course of this 2022 season. And you look for Oliver Crawford now overall in the year. He's 39 and 20, reached a new career high of number 309 earlier this season, 336 right now in the rankings. He's 23 years old, you know, left college after 2020, so started his pro career at the beginning of last season. And you look for Crawford now over this two-year run. He's 91 and 43 You know, he's winning over two thirds of his matches, which is how you steadily progress up the rankings. We talk about the two thirds rule here at Cracked Rackets. If, you know, you're winning two thirds of your matches, it means you're getting to the quarterfinals of most of the events you play. And when you make enough quarterfinals at the ITF level, hopefully some of those you break through semifinals, finals, maybe win a title. Now you jump to the challenger level. You make enough quarterfinals at the challenger level. You get to the ATP level. You do it enough at the 250 level. Now you're in the top 50. Now you're playing everything. Oliver Crawford's in the first stage of that evolution. You look for Oliver Crawford here this season in terms of quarterfinals. He's made 11 of them at the, at the ITF level this season. He made 13 quarterfinals, 12 quarterfinals at the ITF level, plus a Little Rock Challenger quarterfinal last year. He's ready. To progress to that next step, of course, you look for Oliver Crawford. Only one Futures title this year, two last year at the ITF level. Only three titles, but tons of quarterfinal success. And again, has worked himself into the top 350, where now he can get into main draws at challengers. And that's exactly what he does, getting into the carry challenger main draw, where he's going to take on number five seed, Fasundo Mina. Now, you look for Oliver Crawford in his career at the challenger level, Still untested. You look for Crawford, 5-10 overall. Now, he did make a quarterfinal in Little Rock last May, beat Peter Polanski, Dane Kelly before a three-set loss where he had to retire. And you have to remember, there was bad weather at that Little Rock Challenger, so I believe they had some double-headers in that tournament. Um, Since then, he's only earned two main draw victories at the Challenger level, both of them coming on clay again. He's a guy who's had a lot of future success, but played predominantly in ITF schedule, futures ITF synonymous with one another over the course of the past year but if you ever watched Oliver Crawford play think Tommy Paul light Oliver you know di- Tommy Paul pointy just Oliver's extraordinarily well-rounded player good serve good forehand good backhand good athlete can move forward, not the best volleyer, which again, it's Tommy Paul Light. He doesn't quite have that feel of Tommy, but he is someone who knows what to do, knows where to go, when at the net. Again, moves extraordinarily well, has turned the forehand into a little bit more of a weapon. You'll see his backhand, how fluidly he hits each shot in and out of the corners. Yes, the forehand can be susceptible to elite pace, but whose can't be? Oliver Crawford's just a really steady, stable player. And again, 23 years old. Yeah, he played college tennis, but – or, you know, yeah, he played college tennis. So, you know, 23 years old, but is still now just about to complete his second full year on tour and has worked himself steadily up the rankings continuously. He's ready to take that next step. In my opinion, he's proved it this year with his success. And look, he's got a tough matchup. In number five seed, Fasundo Mina tomorrow. Mina, of course, currently at a career high, number 127 in the live rankings, is the soon-to-be 30-year-old. You look for Fasundo Mina, though, so much of his success, both over the course of the past year and throughout the course of his career, has come on clay courts. You look for Mina, he's made two challenger finals this year, won a title in Cali in late June early July, but both of those challenger finals come on clay. And in fact, all five of the challenger finals he's played, his three titles have all come on clay courts. You look for Fasundo Mina. He's 10 and 12 in his career on hard courts at the challenger level. He's only made two challenger quarterfinals in his career. Now, one of them came in carry back in 2017, but only two challenger quarterfinals in his career on hard courts. This is an advantageous matchup. For Oliver Crawford, who, again, a University of Florida All-American, grew up playing in this swamp, you know, from South Carolina, this event's in North Carolina. He grew up playing in this swampy Carolina heat that they're going to see in carry here for this event. And the way Mina's ball sits up, again, Crawford's going to have opportunities to step up on top of the baseline, have opportunities to strike his backhand early, change direction with it down the line. I just like Oliver Crawford in this matchup. I don't know what Fasundo Mina does to relentlessly hurt Oliver Crawford. And if you can't relentlessly hurt Oliver, he's just going to wear you down because, again— His efficiency, he is going to just slowly move you over, you know, inch by inch to that outer third of the court before he attacks you up the line. A lot of similarities between he and former USC All-American Brandon Holt, for those of you who watched Holt play at the U.S. Open, beat Taylor Fritz, and just, again, very well-rounded players, not going to beat themselves, going to force you to do something spectacular to beat them. I don't think Vasim Mina is capable of doing that spectacular thing on these hard courts in carry so give me Oliver Crawford to pull off the upset tomorrow Crawford plus 110 odds so even odds makers know you know don't sleep on this rising player on at the ITF level obviously they are wary of Mina's lack of hard court success as well I'm taking Crawford to get the big win to kick off his tournament let's take him plus 110 over Mina only half a unit to win .55. We're going to respect the lack of pedigree, I suppose, for Oliver Crawford and him finding his bearings. I'm sure he'll put some pressure on himself to win this match, given the opportunity. But give me Oliver Crawford to get the job done to ultimately advance in this match. Now, those are my two aces of the day. Tom minus four and a half games, minus 110, 1.1 unit to win one. Crawford, plus 110 money line, half a unit to win .55. But I've got my eyes on a couple of other things, and I want to run you through them now as we look at the rest of the board. Some of the money lines I keep my eyes on. Alexandra Krunich playing really good tennis, just smooth game, absorbs pace extraordinarily well. She's not the biggest, but a great athlete, extraordinary feel. I think she beats Barrage tomorrow, minus 170. I think it's a fun contrast of styles. I think you keep your eye on that match. Diego Tarante plus 110 over Dennis Novak. Now, I forget which challenger that's happening at this week, but that's one of your clay court matches tomorrow. Diego Tarante is one of a litany of talented young Argentinian men who have just been killing it at the challenger level. You know, again, Novak. Yes, he's going to be the more aggressive of the two players, but that Tarante forehand is not to be trifled with. So keep an eye on that. Tarante plus 110 is interesting. Alistair Gray, former TCU All-American, plus 110 against Uh, That's interesting. Diane Perry, plus 125 against Donavecich. Now, Donavecich's power, that line drive to the one-handed backhand of Perry. Perry's slice going to give Vekic time to tee off on that ball from the baseline, but Look, Perry's going to do some damage. Her serve, her forehand, their weapons, her athleticism belongs in the top 50. There's a lot to like about the game of Diane Perry, and she'll get Vekic, for, you know, she'll force Vekic into the outer thirds. She's a good enough athlete to absorb the first strike of Vekic and force Vekic to put her away. How well will Donna Vekic be playing? She should be the favorite, but I would lean Perry, plus 125. And I believe that's another fascinating match happening in either Porto. Yeah, that is in Porto Rose, happening tomorrow. I mean, again— Tons of good matches on the board overall. Those are just some money lines. Trevisan plus 170 against Sinjakova simply because Sinjakova won a Grand Slam final yesterday. And you're just like, how is that flight going to affect her body going from the doubles to the singles court? So Trevisan plus 170 just for the schedule loss for Sinjakova. You know, all those matches going over two and a half sets. Serenko Rusa over go- going over two and a half sets. I think Hartano, uh, Hartono, the former Ole Miss NCAA singles champion taking on Katie Swan. That's an interesting matchup to keep an eye on. Igor Andreev versus Maxime Janvier. Paul Jubb versus Harold Mayotte. Dennis Kudla versus Zach Sfida. These are all interesting challenger matchups on the day. You'll definitely want to catch a little bit of. How about Dominic Team taking on Jill Simone? Team's a significant favorite. He's minus 400 tomorrow as he takes on Simone in a Clay Court challenger match. It's minus four and a half games if you want to bet on Dominic Team. Now it's plus one hundred odds that he wins six, foot, uh, six four six four or greater. Has he? He started to look really good on the clay courts leading into the North American hard court stretch. Simone obviously home stretch of his career. He's played some inspired tennis of late. He's moving really well, but does he have the sort of weapons to stress the movement of Dominic Team, force Team to hit on the run, which is really the last piece he's waiting to get back? I don't know if the answer to that question is yes, and so I might even lean team at the minus four and a half games given its plus 100 odds, but more than anything, I think that's just a stay away and a match to watch. I think Julie Grabert, who won a title last week, is a player to watch as well. She's got some weapons, folks, if you haven't seen her play, but... Again, that's what I'm keeping my eye on. Tuesday across the tennis world. Again, you've got three WTA events in Chennai, in Potoroz, in Bucharest. You've got the four challenger events happening across the globe. ITF action everywhere. We'll be back each and every day to offer picks, tell you the matches. You should be watching most closely. Of course, we'll be recapping it all over on our mini break podcast feed. So if you aren't already, go give that a subscribe, please. It would make... It would mean the world, I should say, to myself and super producer Daniel westoff But again, one last time. Aces of the day for Tuesday, September 13th. Tom Janovich, minus four and a half games over Bogdan, one... Minus 110, 1.1 units to win one. Crawford, plus 110 Moneyline over Fasundo Mina. Half a unit to win .55. Of course, as always, a shout-out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. Fuck of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of these podcasts possible. Shout-out as well to our friends at DraftKings. With that said... For our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Greskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.